0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empty Brass. This podcast is sponsored and its first sponsor is Mac Defense. Mac Defense specializes in building duty-grade handguns for armed professionals and responsible armed civilians. They offer a top-tier product at a price point accessible to the working man. Their no-compromise approach mixed with their expert craftsmanship lead to a fine-tuned product with a focus on functionality. In an industry inundated with Gucci guns that fall on their face... They strive to build guns that run as good as they look, in all conditions. From complete builds to modifying customer-supplied guns and components, they've got you covered. They do full builds, quick-ship MAC-19 pistols, framework, slide cuts, complete slides, optic cuts, coating, and more. Don't forget to visit macdefenseindustries.com. Guys, I carry a MAC-19 pistol. It's my favorite Glock mod I've ever had. Uh, He's a good dude putting out good products. I encourage you to go check him out. Uh, for no other aspect except for the good products that he puts out and the quality that he puts into his craftsmanship this podcast is also sponsored by neomag this is kind of uh, a a new relationship and i'm sort of giving my uh, point of view on neomag i used to carry in a sidecar i still have a sidecar i enjoy that style Uh, to me it gets a little cumbersome because of the weight and because of the two clips and so what i was starting to find was Uh, that I wouldn't put my gun on when I was going out to do little things like a quick trip uh, just across the street to the gas station or what have you. And so I was introduced to the Neomag, which is a magnetic clip. It looks like a pocket knife in your pocket, and you can store a spare magazine in there, and it comes in three sizes – large medium and small small is basically your 380 caliber medium is going to be all your 9 millimeters and 40s and then large is obviously going to be those 45 acps whether it is double stack or single stack it does not matter they've got you covered uh, because of the way that it works on the width the single and double doesn't really come into play they've also got a really new and exciting product out called the Sentry strap and the Sentry strap is their solution to the issue that is sling staging True to their style, they use two powerful magnets inside the Sentry Strap to hold your sling fast to your rifle. Deploying is simple, grab your sling and tug. The Sentry Strap breaks away on its own fast and easy. That's the way they like it. I encourage you to check out the Sentry Strap. I've always tried rubber bands, I've tried uh, Velcro straps, all that stuff. Where you want your sling on the side when it's in your truck, uh, but you want that sling accessible to you uh, if if you should need it. And the Sentry Strap really uses another uh, innovative way with a magnet where you're gonna pull away that string, or that sling, excuse me, and it'll be accessible at any time. And then they've also got the RASC, the R-A-S-C, which is the Revolver Ammunition Strip Concealment. So basically, it's a form of backup ammunition if you're going to carry a revolver. Uh, It's pretty innovative. It's a a slim little line, and you can load out of it uh, extremely quickly. Uh, I don't carry a revolver. I I don't really know uh, much about the reloading, but it sure would beat pulling the bullets out of your pocket uh, individually. Uh, Without uh, much more housekeeping. Uh, This episode with Shane Coley uh, is one that I was extremely nervous to do. Uh, Shane is one of those people uh, that is very gifted and uh, very looked up to in the gun community. Uh, It was kind of uh, done quickly uh, on the top of Glock's uh, shot show booth and uh, I was extremely humbled just to be talking to him and extremely uh, nervous as well. Uh, I'm just going to be transparent and uh, honest with you guys, this is not my best performance as a podcast host. I, I can be real about it. I can evaluate it. And I can honestly say that I didn't bring my A-game. I didn't bring uh, usually what I do as a host to the podcast. Thankfully, uh, for my sake and for the listener's sake, uh, Shane is an extremely well-spoken, articulate guy. Uh, and he saved me on this one. And And that happens sometimes in podcasts. Sometimes uh, you need saving as a host. And a uh, big shout out to Shane for uh, making this episode still very high quality because this, uh, this wasn't my best. And that's okay. This is a learning experience for me. Uh, I need to learn to be better on the fly. I need to learn to uh, adapt to some situations. Uh, one of the things is space is super limited at SHOT Show, and there uh, was no table, so we held our microphones in our hand. And you might notice that a little bit with the audio quality, and that one's also on me. I need to be a little bit more prepared and not expect that I'm going to have a table every time. So all of these things were good learning points, uh, but they didn't really take away from the quality of the episode. It's a little bit shorter uh, because it is SHOT Show, uh, but I still think uh, Shane had some really good points. We had some really good conversations. Uh, so, without further ado, uh, thank you as always for tuning in. I genuinely appreciate every time you hit play, every time you uh, share it on your story or you share it to a friend. Uh, it means the world to me. Uh, all the support I've gotten this last week has, has meant more than I can ever say or never than I can, more than I could ever convey. Uh, but anyway, I want you to enjoy this episode with Shane. Uh, this is the Empty Brass Podcast. What's going on, everybody? I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empty Brass. I'm your host, C.J. Boxrude. and today I'm honored to have a guest on with me uh, that I've been uh, dreaming about having on my podcast for a while. Uh, but today I've got the team captain of Glock, uh, Shane Colley, with me. Shane, thanks for being here with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's a pleasure.
0: Uh, we're coming to you from SHOT Show 2020. Uh, obviously, Glock uh, introduced the Glock 44, which is a 22 lr pistol. Uh, when it first came out, I saw some people kind of acting negatively towards it. Uh, where I work, we run a lot of rounds through twenty-two caliber pistol, and I realized the challenge in getting a reliable twenty-two out there is. Uh, I think it's a, a great addition. Uh, what do you think about it and the release and all of the the Glock forty-four and what what it brings with it and what it, the sort of areas it can satisfy?
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that we wanted when we started the Glock forty-four project was a twenty-two that could. Use all ammo. I mean, we've seen rimfires. Every a lot of ton of companies have rimfires out there. We all know that, and we've also seen a ton of rimfires fail to shoot in certain ammos or fail to feed a lot of ammo. So you know, with our brand surviving and living on reliability, we wanted we wanted to have a 22 on the market that could basically eat everything. So you could go buy low-end ammo, go out, have a good time at the range, not be clearing jams all, the whole time you're out there. And if you want to go buy high-end ammo, it'll, it'll run all of that stuff, too. So now I think we finally accomplished that. I mean, at Media Day alone, we shot 15,000 rounds, and we had four misfires. That's almost unheard of. So we use I mean, we use I think, six different types of ammo throughout Media Day just to show, show people that no matter what we put in the gun, it, it, will, it will run with everything. So, you know, I think the 44 has got its place in the market. Um, it's, a great, it's a great tool for an instruction. It's a great tool to introduce new shooters into the market. Uh, I mean, it's the same size as G19. It's got all the same controls, so you can put it in any G19 holster. The magazines are the same size as G19, so you can also use all the same gear. And uh, it's just—it's just an incredible tool to isolate fundamentals, build certain skill sets, and then go back you know, to your regular fire pistols.
0: There is a market for carrying a 22, albeit maybe small. There's people that are new, that aren't comfortable with recoil, and there's not really a solid, reliable option, and I think uh, it really satisfies that need even if it's small, and and the fact that Glock took the time. uh, It's the Glock 44, so we have the 48. Uh, They've clearly been working on it for a while. They didn't want to release it until it was right. Uh, I think it's just a great addition to the family, and it satisfies, uh, my example would be my mother-in-law. She's getting into carrying, she's getting into shooting. She's not ready for something big. She wants to shoot at 22 because she knows she can control that, and to, to be frank, any round is lethal in certain s- scenarios, so you have to be comfortable in using it. And I think that it's a really great addition, especially with training. Moving on to, uh, to your sort of story and your background. Uh, I know you started shooting when you were really young. Uh, you s- came into the AMU, uh, then you left the Open Division, and then you went to, uh, to Limited. Uh, I know you were the second youngest champion to Casey Sebio. I was wondering if you could just walk me a little bit through your story, how you came into shooting, uh, and how shooting plays into your life, and uh, the successes and the failures you've had in different divisions.
1: Well, you know, I, I was I was a baseball player at heart my entire life, uh, so I didn't pick up shooting until I think I was 14 years old, and even then it wasn't my first love. My first love was always baseball, and you know, I was shooting competitions with my dad. He's originally the one who got me into it. He was a career law enforcement officer. Um, he would bring me out to the local matches and just kind of, I'd always been into shooting, but he wanted me to compete. So he would bring me out to the matches, kind of show me whatever, what was going on, what they're doing, you know, how they break down stages, how they operate and just, just trying to get me into it. And, um, I found a liking to it. So I started shooting local matches and stuff with him and then started going to some state level matches as I got a little bit older. Uh, and then finally, one day I had to make a choice. You know, I could either try to pursue shooting or I can try to pursue baseball. And at the time I progressed far enough in shooting that I saw potential to have a real career in it. And with baseball, its I mean, it's, it's a toss-up. You know, I, I was good, but I don't know how good I could have become, and that was risky for me. So obviously I chose the shooting route, which I don't regret at all, um, but for, was fortunate enough to get hired by the Army Marksmanship Unit. So I was with the action shooting team for seven years, uh, worked with a great bunch of guys, with Daniel Horner and Matt Sweeney and Joel Turner, Tyler Payne, you know, my first platoon sergeant, Aaron Hampton, they all they all were incredible leaders and, and friends to me. They, they taught me a lot about discipline, a lot about uh, leadership, integrity, and uh, they just they really helped boost my career as, you know, I progressed in training and, and the successes in competitions, um, you know. And then from, from there, I had another opportunity to come to Glock. And with that opportunity, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. It's something I couldn't pass up. So I had to make another hard choice of pursue my current career in the Army or – try the civilian market and come to work for a major manufacturer, and I didn't think I would ever get a chance like this again, so I, I took the leap of faith, and here I am, and it's the best decision I've ever made. I mean, coming to Glock was a hard transition because I shot open for so long. I shot 2011 platform for so long, so coming to the Glock platform, it was a completely different change for me. A, shooting iron sights was difficult. Um, the trigger in the, the Glock platform was difficult for me, so there were a lot of failures, you know, leading up to where I'm at now. And uh, they were tough. I had, some, I had some really hard times the first couple of years I was here. I didn't know had I made the right decision. I didn't know if, if, uh, if I was going to be successful here because I wasn't being successful with the gun in competitions. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to face your fears. you got to hit, hit training head on, and everything turned around. So life is great. I made the right choice, and I love being here.
0: When you were changing platforms from the 2011 to the Glock, I'm sure you faced some adversity or some challenges. Uh, What did you do to sort of overcome those challenges? Was it more dry fire? Was it more range time? Was it accumulation of all that stuff? Uh, How did you make the transition so you could be successful with a different platform uh, a little bit later in your career?
1: Well, for a long time, I ran from it. I thought, because in 2014, I was second place at World Championship by one point. So you know, to me, that's like, oh, I'm one of the best shooters in the world. And then I come to Glock and my first match, I'm like 10th place. So that's kind of like a huge confidence killer, and um, at the time I, I knew what the problem was, but I was afraid of it. So for a couple of years, I just I never wanted to face what I was actually bad at. I just wanted to train on easy stuff, make myself feel good, and then go to the range and get or go a match and get crushed. And it took me a long time to to realize that I need to look myself in the mirror and you know face the fears that I have and attack the training and and understand that it's okay for me to suck it in training. It's okay for me to fail in training because that's how. That's how you grow, and that's how you learn. You, you know, you build your skills, you build your fundamentals through failure. And uh, you know, you know the trigger manipulation—that was a tough one. So a ton of dry fire, you know, went into that until I got comfortable with finding the wall and you know consistent pulls through the wall. And uh, and then of course a lot of range time. And you know, it, it was a lot of dedication, a lot of discipline. And for a while, it was really hard. You know, I was, was I was d- I d- I didn't have a life like that. Devoted, and dedicated all of my time to that because I knew I had to. Or I would not. I would not survive here. And uh, so it was a tough couple of years but like I said I mean once I once I faced everything and once I got I got to where I needed to be and understood how to train and you know how to make the most of the training everything was everything was was easy from there.
0: You you are one of the best shooters in the world and you're doing it with a, a platform that is one of the most popular duty platforms in the country. And when you go around you visit different departments or you interact with them and they ask questions or they ask for your advice Uh, Is it much easier for you to relate to their questions and problems now that you've been with that platform for so long because the 2011 is so different?
1: Absolutely. And like with all the LE agencies that I work with and all the military guys I work with, you know, all the gear I use is exactly what they use. So whenever I'm going to an agency or to a unit or whatever, um, I figure out what gun they're carrying, what gun they're using, if they're using optics, not using optics, what their holster setup is. And I go and build that in my house. I'll order whatever gear I need so that I have exactly what they have. And I'll go train on it. I'll go see what, see what I can do with it. I'll run all my drills. If I'm teaching a class, then you know, I'll run through my curriculum with their, exact, with their exact gear. So when I show up at that range and they're asking me questions, I can directly relate to what they're going through. You know, if they have issues with their draw stroke or you know, their recoil management or their site acquisition, whatever, whatever the case is, I have their exact gear. So I can directly relate to that question and show them exactly how to fix the problem.
0: That's awesome, and the the luxury of you being able to relate to exactly the gear that they're using is fantastic. Uh, to go along with all your experience and success in shooting, uh, going along with that, uh, how do you how do you define success when it comes to shooting? Shooting is one of those things. Uh, I feel like even the world champs aren't really satisfied, or they don't feel like they've made it, if you will, or done it. So I'm curious how you define success, and I, I know that uh, you could define it and never obtain it. That's fine too. But I'm just curious, like what does success in shooting look like to you?
1: Well. Success is, you know, a lot of people think success is going out and winning the national championship or or winning the world championship and that that is success. I mean, obviously you were successful enough to be a champion. But for me the defining moment of success for me was when I won my first nas- my first big national championship at, here at Glock. The feeling of winning was incredible. It was amazing. Like it was I was on top of the world. I never thought I would get there. I never thought I could accomplish that. Finally got there. I'm, you know, I'm rooting for my or you know, in the air and stuff. But the best feeling of success was looking back over the year and all of the work I had put into it, all of the entire journey, all the dedication, the late nights, the early mornings, the, uh, the days I didn't feel like training but forced myself to go out there. You know, the company behind me that I had supporting me, the friends I had supporting me, you know, all my coworkers supporting me, my friends, my family, looking back on all of the dedication and the time that everyone gave to me and I gave to myself to get to that point was my definition of success because I committed to it, I stayed dedicated to it, I was disciplined enough to never give up through all the adversity. And to me, that was success. That was more successful than actually winning the championship because anybody can luck up and win. But when you lay everything out for a year, for two years, and you give it everything you're all, and then you sit on the podium, that is an incredible feeling.
0: So going with that, I know you're into other things like CrossFit, uh, the business part of this. How does the grind, so dry fire, uh, physical uh, fitness, all of that stuff, how does the... Discipline and success of shooting relate to other aspects of your life, or translate into other areas of your life.
1: Well, the success of the shooting, like like I said, with all the dedication and the, the grind, you know that relates to everything I do because I I'm not just a shooter for Glock. I have a desk job. I work in marketing. I do digital advertising. I do media support. So I have to be at work in the morning, just like everybody else in America. I've got a desk to sit at. I got emails to answer. And I got phone calls to make. And so I have to manage my time from the desk to lunch and then from lunch straight to the range. As soon as I get back from the range, straight to the gym. And I'm also a full-time college student now. So as soon as I get done working out, the meetings, I have to go upstairs and do homework or go to class. So, I mean, it's it's never stops for me. Like, it's, it's it's always going and it's always grinding. But, you know, having the full dedication to all of this and being passionate and believing in everything that I do or believing in what we do, um, it just it, it keeps me disciplined. It keeps me focused. And I have to... I can't think of the now. I have to think of what's it going to be like in six months. Am I going to be upset with myself for giving away this time or all those days that I said, I can work out tomorrow or I can do my homework tomorrow. Then you give up those days and you look back over the last six months and you've given up an entire month of work because it was just those couple days here and there that you didn't think would matter that much. So when you look back and you, you know that you never gave up any of those days and you stayed focused, stayed disciplined, that relates to everything else in life.
0: Now that you've been with Glock for a while, and there's plenty of law enforcement and military that carry a Glock every single day. Uh, has there been some positive things that you've seen or things that really touched you uh, working with Glock and all of the uh, the service industries that carry them uh, that you've seen or a story you might want to share that, uh, that really impacted you positively or that you saw during your time?
1: One of the most impactful stories that I've, that I've heard was one of my best friends, um, Him and I, we've we've known each other for years and years and years. And he called me. He sent me a text one day randomly one morning. was like, hey, can you call me? So I stepped out and gave him a call. And he's like, hey, I just want you to know. um, I know your opinion of Glock is very biased, of course, because you work there. But I want you to know that you just created a Glock fan for the rest of your life. Because his brother who's a state trooper, got into a gunfight the night before. And it saved his life, basically. And he was like, my brother got to come home because of your product. And you just earned multiple Glock fans for the rest of your life. And that was one of my best friends calling me to tell me this story, and I was like, Wow, you know, I did I was speechless for a moment. I didn't really know what to say to him. And that's when I don't know, all just kinda hit like what we do, what this company does, not just myself or you know, a single other person on the team, but just what Glock does, you know, it would bring people home to their families. We're able to get people back to the house to see their kids, to see their brother and sister and see their mom and their dad. And when he told me that story, it really hit home, and to hear things like that, and then obviously with the with the other my other coworkers and other sales staff, to hear other stories that they've been told over the years, that stuff's impactful for us, and it means a lot, and it, it only builds our passion for what we do even more.
0: Yeah, and I, I think everybody's probably got a story where a Glock was used in, a, in an encounter, and it was reliable, and it worked. Uh, going along with that, I don't know too many people that have a Glock that's just standard Glock products, and Glock has actually found a way to live in harmony with aftermarket products, uh, with people that do adjustments or upgrades or whatever you want to call it. I've seen some other gun companies that want to sort of take over that aftermarket par- that aftermarket market, but Glock sort of lives in harmony with their aftermarket producers. Uh, what is it about that that allows them to just keep producing a solid product and letting other people build off of that or a tweak or an improve uh, where both of those companies can be successful in, in different areas of the shooting world?
1: I think we've built, we've currently built a product that we know it works and it sticks with our brand. You know, our brand has never been the the custom gun or the, I don't know, like just the, the upgraded like competitive pistol or Gucci, I guess Gucci Glock as some people say. That's never really been our brand. Our brand has been, you know, reliability, safety, simple. So that's kind of where we've always wanted to be. And, you know, if the other companies out there want to make upgrade parts and aftermarket parts for our guns, that's fine with us because the customer still purchases the pistol from us. And you know whatever else they do with it from there, that's we can't really do that, or we can't really do anything about it. And we also don't want to make a one-line custom pistol because everyone else has their own preference. So with all the aftermarket companies out there now, the customer after they purchase our gun, they get to go pick whatever they want. So if they want, you know, I don't know, a set of uh, Ken sights or tritacans or Ameriglows or you know whatever they want, they have the opportunity to go out there and pick whatever they want based on their preference. So if as long as we stay out of that, then the customer has all the freedom and ability he wants to go do whatever he wants to the gun.
0: Yeah, it's and that's a great part of Glock, too, is that there's just so much out there uh, for the individual, because we are individuals. We all have different preferences, different sizes. Uh, going into that, uh, you look like a professional athlete. Uh, n- not that other shooters don't, but you just look like you could play football or basketball, and you've sort of adopted that style as well with your Your physical fitness and your approach to shooting. Uh, What is it that sort of allows you to take that athlete approach rather than just a shooting approach?
1: Well, I mean, if you you look into the sport, the sport is an athletic sport. We have to move. We have to be quick. There's, There's a bunch of quick cuts, quick starts, quick stops. So we have to be athletes at the end of the day. And I never wanted to be just a shooter because we can be so much more than that. And the physical fitness is awesome in shooting, but it's also, I mean, it's my everyday life. Like, I'm, I'm trying to live a long and fulfilled life. I don't, I don't want to, you know, pass away at 45 because I had a heart attack or something, you know. Uh, so the physical fitness aspect of it and just being an athlete, I mean, that's what we are. So if that's what we're going to be, let's own the title and let's be athletes. Let's train in every aspect that we can to make us better in every possible way. You know, if I, I can be faster on the range by doing 100 squats a day, then why not? Why not do that? If that's the work I need to put in to be the best... I'm willing to do it. So whatever it takes for me to be a top-level pro athlete, I will do it.
0: What is it about uh, CrossFit that makes you take such an diligent approach to it? So hitting it every day, uh, pushing to move those PRs up. What is it about CrossFit that you find the most value in
1: uh, as a whole? Well, CrossFit got me into Olympic lifting, which I absolutely love now. Um, Olympic lifting is so many, so many. It has so much core, core strength, leg strength, explosive, explosive power and you know a lot of the times when we take off out of positions we're from we're in a compressed position so all the squats with the clean and jerk the snatch the back squats front squats everything's out of a compressed position so it builds that explosiveness out of those compressed positions whenever i need to move and with crossfit or crossfit style workouts it's as hard or as easy as you want it to be so whenever i go into the gym and start a workout it's up to me how hard that workout is i can either be a wimp for the day and make it really easy on myself by just being lazy and moving slow or I could push myself to a limit I didn't know I had. And I like pushing myself every day to new limits. I want to see how far I can push myself. You know, and the body's an amazing thing. We're able to withstand incredible pain tolerances, and I want to see how far into a pain cave I can go during a workout.
0: Yeah, and that's that's admirable, and I think it probably adds to your shooting. Uh, You were the second youngest national champion ever. Uh, What was it like this year watching another youngster uh, sort of dominate? the open division uh, from your perspective, you know, because you were probably the youngster for a long time and then coming up and watching another youngster do it. Uh, what was that feeling like? What were some of your feelings while you watched that happen throughout the season? Uh, did it bring back any memories or uh, inspire like some new goals or anything like that?
1: It reminded me that I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Christian, Christian's a phenomenal shooter. I've, I've been, I've known him now for a couple of years and I've shot with him at a bunch of matches and uh, watching him is, it's very, it's. It's it's very inspiring and it makes me proud because he's accomplishing things at a young at an age that a lot of us were not able to do. I mean, it was twenty. I was twenty, I think twenty one, but before I won my first nationals, and then I didn't really start winning winning until I was twenty five or twenty six. So to see him doing doing what he's doing at nineteen or twenty, it's really awesome because. He's being an intelligent shooter and making the right choices and not being super sporadic and making silly young shooter choices that we've seen a lot over the years. And to see what he's accomplished at such a young age, it's inspiring and motivating because I I don't want to lose and I don't want to get beaten. I still think I'm kind of young, so I don't want to get beaten at a young age by even younger kids. So it's motivating. It makes me want to get out and work even harder. And you know, I've got a, I've got a lot of life experience. I've seen and done a lot, and I, I'm a motivating, mo- motivated person. So when the fire gets lit... I'm not stopping anytime soon, so I love the challenge, and you know I, love, I wish Christian the best.
0: So speaking of that, what are some goals for you for 2020, or what is it that's on the stage that you're trying to knock out or chase this year going forward? It could be anything, either competition or uh, with Glock or even in uh, Olympic lifting.
1: Well, this year is an important year because we have the World Championship at the end of this year in uh, Thailand, uh, in Nove- end, of, end of November, first of December, and you know this is like it's like the year in 2017 where I won my first nationals at Glock not that whole year. I committed, I committed to everything. I was, I was committed the entire year. And that's going to be a big goal for, for me this year is to stay disciplined, to stay focused and stay committed throughout the entire year. So that when I show up at worlds, I can look at the stage or at the world stage and say confidently that I, I left everything on the line. You know, I look back over back throughout the year and there were no days where I gave up time or gave away training time or whatever. It was lazy for a day. I want to, completely devote myself throughout this entire year to win the world championship because that's one I have not won yet and I really want it really really bad
0: are you going to be shooting limited at worlds then is that just limited
1: standard, standard. so okay. standards the international version of limited but yes that, I'll be on the USA team
0: and the last world championship was in 2014 is that correct 2017 2017 yes sir. okay so 2020 worlds in Thailand that's that's on the goal plate that's a big goal for this year all right well I'll check in with you and see if you accomplish that then
1: <laughs> I hope so
0: so style. One thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is style. Uh, some of the great shooters that have came through, uh, they have different body types. They have different strengths, different weaknesses. Uh, what about your style through your years? Did you have to identify and say, hey, this is my strength. I'm going to stick to my strength. This is their strength. They're going to, you know, I don't want to try and beat them at their strengths. What was it about your style that you sort of had to identify and stick to? So we all know what our weaknesses is and work, working on our weaknesses. but well, We don't all know exactly what our strengths are. And how to keep those our strengths. What was it about your style uh, that you had to identify throughout your career and stick to that?
1: Well, my style has always been speed. I've always been the speedy guy on the range, um, and then the explosiveness, being, having quick feed, uh, fast on the trigger. Um, so, speed has always been my style. I was, I guess, I was always the fast kid. So, speed only got me so far, and with the speed came, you know, being overly aggressive, making stupid mistakes, silly choices, and. Uh, I had to learn control i had to figure out how to be a disciplined shooter not just a fast shooter i had to learn you know when to take hard stops take longer side pictures be more consistent on the trigger and more controlled on the trigger and uh that took a long time for me to train uh because i would i would have a lot of misses i'd make a lot of simple mistakes i would either you know overrun positions or shoot crazy splits at a target at 20 yards that was completely ridiculous and i'd have a miss and it's like all i had to do was slow down a tenth of a second i would have had you know two alpha or something And uh, it was mistakes like that that were costing me match wins, so it was really frustrating. Um, So I knew what my strength was, but I had to face my weaknesses and go to the range and figure out how to be a controlled shooter, how to be a disciplined shooter, you know, set up targets at 50 yards and just practice them all day long. You know, run into a position and shoot two alpha at 50 or not quit that drill until I did accomplish it, you know, 10 times in a row or something. But, you know, learning control and discipline was what I needed the most, and it took me the longest to get that figured out.
0: I think sometimes it's a misconception that somebody great that shoots does XYZ and so I'm going to emulate that too, but there's not always a consistency in style. Some things are universal, but not all. One of the things I see in practical shooting uh, is a real concentration on the smaller things. So. Uh, little stages or little things within a stage what i don't see is a lot of talk about the bigger picture so the example i would give is when you talk about the us open or a golf course they talk about oh that course is tough or that course is uh, challenging they're talking about 18 holes in practical shooting you don't hear a lot of talk about the overall match Uh, one of the things i'm curious about is how do you approach an overall match so a a two or three day match uh, going into it with a mindset or an idea of looking at it as a whole Getting through certain stages, being aggressive on others. How do you determine the overall match mindset?
1: I have to live in the present. Um, if I obviously when I show up, I look at you know I want to win this match, but I can't strategize that as a game plan because if I look at the overall match, I make a lot of small mistakes along the way. You know, I have every stage is essentially a new match, and every portion of each stage is the most important part of the match so I need to be focused on at that moment. So, staying in the present and living behind the sights at the shot I'm currently taking is you know how you, we avoid those small mistakes. So we look at a stage, and we go through it, and it's like, okay, I've got this target here at 10 yards. I need to shoot roughly this speed. Um, I have this exit, this moving into this position. I've got a couple pieces of steel. So I should be shooting you know, roughly this speed here and here, and this is kind of what my sights are gonna look like. Uh, and then when we do it real time, we have to stay behind the sights and not get ahead of ourselves. We can't you know crush a stage and think about winning when we still have 13 stages to go. I've gotta, as soon as this stage is done, got if I did great or did bad, I got to get rid of it and get ready for the next one. I have to break down this next stage and focus on every single piece of that stage so that I can avoid all the small mistakes.
0: I know all the shooters, the big time guys, especially you, you guys are all into giving back. You guys got a big company and a platform. I know you're a veteran yourself. What is the most passionate uh, venture for giving back that you currently have going or that you'd like to get going? What is something you see out there that is identified as a problem that you'd like to improve, uh, given the company you have behind you and the platform you have in front of you? Well,
1: one of the big uh, big organizations that we support is Memorial 3-Gun. Um, you know, uh, Bryce Lamlin and a couple of other guys in the organization, they've become friends of mine over the years. And, you know, we, we do a lot of sponsorship stuff with them. And uh, I, I want, I really, really want to take a bunch of guys from the company and go out and shoot their 3-Gun their match every year. Uh, just because they're a great organization and they do phenomenal work. Um, and they've always been good to us, and I've tried to do everything I can to support those guys. Um, and then another one is, is, is uh, you know, Mission 22. Uh, I, I've worked with Mission 22 for the last, I think, five years I've been at the company, and, you know, that team is, they've been awesome. We've, we've hung out at a handful of events. They've been a great group, great group of guys to work with. Um, so just having the opportunity and you know in Glock support to give back to guys like that organizations like that means a lot because you know they do a lot of good in the community and they give back and you know they support the families in need and support the veterans in need
0: being in the AMU for seven years uh, I know they use the AMU to train some of the better units uh, to find that progression or involvement within the performance of shooting Uh, what do you think about the current blend of sort of law enforcement, military, practical, all of that stuff seems to kind of be coming together much more than it ever has. What do you think about that blend? Uh, Is it social media that sparked it? Is it sort of the access of technology? And what was it like seeing it uh, back when you were in the AMU trying to teach, uh, you know, some of these bad habits out of the military? Uh, The fundamentals of marksmanship don't always apply when we're talking about, like, the performance of shooting. Uh, What do you think about that blend and and where it's going and your part in it? Because I'm sure you... You've had plenty of time to train uh, some of those units uh, that maybe isn't publicized, especially being on the AMU. What do you think about the blend of focusing on performance?
1: Well, I think um, you know, I think technology, social media, and ability to, or increased communication help with a lot of a lot of the new trends that we're starting to see in the industry. And you know, from the coming from a competitive shooting background, I never really got into tactics, um, and I always saw those as being very separate because you know, one totally different application than what I currently do. Um, but those guys that you know, the military units, the LE agencies, they also have to be able to shoot. And you know, whenever we're able to go there and train them and teach them how to be better shooters, then they can take their different training, their tactical training, and their you know everything else that they do, and they can apply their shooting skills to that and be more lethal whenever they need to be. And uh, you know, I think with the, communi- the ability to communicate and the ability to you know talk to us on a regular basis through social media, and see how a lot of us are training on social media and see you know the new drills we're doing or uh, the new ideas or the new, you know, different arguments we have across the platforms. Um, I think it's opened a lot of doors for these guys to come to uh, come to us or just have both communities blend together where, you know, we, we both benefit from each other because, you know, I teach people how to shoot. They can teach me different aspects of, you know, the, 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 the I guess, the work as a whole. Um, so just having the ability to see everything and talk to people and, and see the benefits of both sides has been great because now we are seeing a blend in both sides of both sides of the industry.
0: And I think it only really is beneficial to both sides of it to, to see the same goals, where they apply, and then to understand that tactics will come into play at some point in time. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about performing with the gun better and how that can sort of help you. Uh, do you think that Glock is, uh, is really moving towards making that performance a part of their plan? Or do you think they'll always stick with just the reliability of, of the guns that are used on duty?
1: uh there we're gonna i mean we are gonna progress towards the performance and uh i mean that's just that's just the evolution of the industry and you know we 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 have to evolve as well so you know i think right now our training department is we've got a lot of phenomenal programs going on you know our director of training is he's a he's a great guy he's got a lot of great ideas and uh you know we're working on a a lot of new programs that benefit everybody and, and offer you know the best training possible so that You know, not only do they have a reliable gun, but now they've got the performance and the skills to back up that gun and, and, you know, just be better shooters and better performers overall.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, with Glock, the Gen 5 trigger would be the example that I would use. Uh, It's not like an astronomical change, but it's a much better version of what was in the Gen 3s and the Gen 4s. It does increase uh, performance. Uh, Sitting here at SHOT Show, uh, the gun topic within the current society of America is a hot button topic. Uh, what do you think about the current climate when it comes to gun control and all of those things that are sort of coming at the gun community and what can the gun community do better uh, to sort of voice uh, our need for this, our right for it in a more positive way? Instead of uh, you know, being really combative or saying things of statistical nature or really making the divide bet worse, how can we make things better? How can we get the other side to understand our point of view and the different types of uses and positive ways firearms can be used?
1: I think I mean I think there's a hand especially at a, you know, a show like this there's so many different personalities and backgrounds that everyone's got a story to tell and to show you know what has what firearms done for them you know for me it's <clears throat> for me it's given me a career and given me a platform to to benefit people to help people and to give back to the community that's been so gracious to me um, but as a community we all need to stand together we can't be a divided community and we can't we can't be hurtful to each other and hurtful to our own even if we disagree with our own people because ultimately we're all after the same goal. And, you know, we all want to keep our Second Amendment, keep our firearms. And if we stand united, then we're going to, we're going to have a larger voice, and we're going to be harder to take down. And, uh, you know, it's a God-given right for us, and I don't believe it should ever be taken away. So we as a community, I think, need to stand together. You I know, mean, we, have, we have a big voice, and it's even bigger when all of us are on the same side fighting for the same thing. So I think as long as we stand together and don't try to divide each other and cut each other down, then we're going to have a very successful voice, and we'll be able to fight, you know, fight the other side that's trying, you know, that's trying to come at or take away our rights. And also there needs to be, there needs to be intelligent conversation. It can't just be aggressive, you know, aggressive insults or I don't believe you or, you know, uh, you're never going to take, you're never going to take away this or whatever, you know, whatever the conversations have been, but there's got to be intelligent conversation because people shut down when they're insulted, when they start, you know, being made fun of or whatever. Um, but as long as we're able to you know, just, just converse with people and, and speak with facts and be, you know, be kind to people. God, it goes a long way because we're able to sway opinions. We're able to show people, you know, what it's like, you know, like I said, I've, I've been given a career out of this, you know, other people, their lives have been saved and that means a lot to the community. So if we're able to show, you know, show this kind of passion and dedication to the other side, maybe we can sway some opinions and still stand united.
0: Do you think that practical shooting or competition shooting has a, a part to play when it comes to that, uh, that gun debate? Do you think that there's uh, a part of that whether they can show where it's a different area than defense that can also help sway votes or bring people to the other side of the aisle?
1: Well, I think it just shows that it's not, I mean, you know, there, there's so many other uses for guns. And, you know, the competitive the competitive sport has its purpose of, you know, increasing performance. But it's at the end of the day, it's also still a sport. You know, kids get to go out there and have a good time. They get to go hang out with family. I mean, I, I all the competitive shooting I did growing up was always with my family. So, you know, for me to hang out with my dad all the time and go out and do that, that was... That was a lot of fun for me. You know, it taught me a lot about discipline. Um, it taught me a lot about gun manipulation, gun safety, and uh, it educated me a lot about you know just handling guns in general and being safe with firearms. So you know, being able to show that and show the other purposes of shooting, you know, I think I think that could be very useful in you know helping sway the other side or, or swaying some opinions.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I think there's the competition side of it uh, is bringing a positive nature too, to veterans and, and law enforcement uh, just to get out, get behind their gun in a good, positive way, not a training environment and have a little bit of fun. Uh, going forward into 2020, if uh, a law enforcement or a military agency wanted to train with you or open enrollment, uh, if you offer those, how would they get in touch with you or how could they uh, to find those enrollments in those classes or about bringing you in?
1: Uh, we'll have to, we'll, it'll go through our training department, and if they want to reach out to me, uh, my email is shane.coley at clock.us. Uh, they can find me on social media. They can send me a message. I try to keep track of all my messages. Um, so if anyone were interested in something like that, they can reach out to me that way, and um, we can go through our training department, and we can do whatever we can to set something up.
0: Okay, awesome. I think there's lots of people that would love to have you there, love to bring you in. I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. I can't tell you how genuinely much I appreciate you sitting down with me, and thanks to Glock for letting us use the balcony up here and kind of get away from all the mess and sit down for a second. Uh, But once again, thank you so much for sitting down with me and doing this interview.
1: I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Shane. For
0: everybody listening to Empty Brass, I appreciate it. Until next time, I'm your host, C.J. Boxford.